Well, good morning. I am excited to be with you guys this morning. If uh, one thing that's kind of kind of neat this morning, I was thinking about it as I was coming up here, is uh, I was given a new Bible this week, so I'm pretty excited about that. So if I, I feel a little bit out of touch here, it's because I'm working through a new a new uh, a new Bible. There's actually somebody who was neat. There's somebody had passed on one of the my uh, sermons. Online, if you guys ever miss a Sunday, you can go on our website if you didn't know that and catch up. Uh, but they passed on one of the the sermons to somebody, and they noticed that my Bible was pretty raggedy or raggedy and uh, raggedy. That's a new word. And uh, and they he decided he he sent me an email and said, "Hey, I'm sending you a new Bible. You'd never been to this church. I thought you'd appreciate. It. So this is my new Bible. So uh, I don't know why I bring that up, but I thought it was cool." Um, so we're here this morning, we're continuing in our, our series called Eternity Now, and we're in uh, week two of that, and we're continuing the conversation. As I mentioned last week, just kind of setting the, uh, the stage for that last week with, it's Paul writing to, his. Paul's about 60 years old, he's writing to his younger uh, friend Timothy, who's also a pastor and trying to be an encouragement to him. And last week, if you remember the discussion, we talked about some of the things that we can cling to as we press on in our walk with Christ, because this is the, a long race. Anybody feel like that a bit? This is a very long race, and there's a, a certain degree of, of pressing on that's required in following Christ. And so this week, we're talking a little bit about the, the product of that pressing on. If you may have noticed that if you've been following the Lord for a while, one of the byproducts of that, as you keep on consistently persevering, is that you develop certain convictions about never backing down. After you've pressed on for long enough, after you've been through the, the ringer, after you've kind of stood the test of a lot of what life throws at you, there's certain convictions that start to develop where you're like, you know what, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm unashamed, like I'm not, I'm not turning to the left, I'm not turning to the right because I know that God sustains me, he provides for me, he cares for me. And so one of the, the, the byproducts of persevering is becoming unashamed. And that's what we're going to be talking about here this morning is one of the, the goals in the life of a believer of getting more and more of a less of the handcuffs of the world and just saying like, I'm just not that concerned about what people think about me. When I proclaim Christ, I'm not that concerned about people rejecting me or thinking poorly of me. That, this is, I'm not saying permission to just be like ruthless and cold and not concerned about what people think. I'm saying concerned that say my top priority is living for the Lord. And so we're going to be going through three different convictions that mark a life of someone that's unashamed. Isn't that our hope? Isn't that your goal is being unashamed about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let me pray before we dive in. God, we thank you for this opportunity to study this book from this very wise man that was driven by your spirit to write these words to Timothy. I pray that you'd speak through this text, that you'd challenge us, that you'd encourage us where we need to be encouraged, that you'd, that you'd stretch us where we need to be stretched, God, that you'd use this, this word from one brother in Christ to another brother to push us to be more unashamed, unashamed of you. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We're in uh, 2 Timothy, and we're in chapter 1. We're starting in verse 8. It's going to be a lot easier for you guys to follow along if you have God's Word in front of you. Otherwise, you're going to be like, what is that guy talking about? And so uh, if you don't already have a Bible with you, we have Pew Bibles there. We're on page 842, if that helps you at all, in your Pew Bible. Verse 8 says this, and this is the first, this is the first conviction of three, the first conviction of the unashamed is being unashamed to speak, 
unashamed to speak. Verse 8 says this, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Stop there for a second. The, the thing that jumps out is whenever you see in Scripture, therefore, you have to ask the question, what is it? Nice, nice. Some people that have gone through our Awana program. And, uh, and so the, the idea first there, he's pointing out, therefore, do not be ashamed, because in verse 7, he says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We talked about those things last week. And because we have those, th- those things, because we have a spirit, the Holy Spirit of power living within us, there shouldn't be any degree of fear. That's why we can say there to speak up and be unashamed. Be unashamed, and it's not a suggestion here. I mentioned last week that the text is full of directives. It's actually, it's actually more written as a command. Therefore, do not be ashamed. Ashamed of what? I'm typically reading from the ESV, but I like the, the descriptor that, that the NIV gives, or the translation says, to testify about our Lord. Not ashamed, to testify about our Lord, to speak up about him. Willing to talk about him, to acknowledge him. When, when you're even just thinking through your day, through your week, acknowledging him throughout. When you're talking about the weather, like wasn't it a beautiful day yesterday? Like even with the, the winds, which are kind of unique to me, I'm being exposed to those for the first time. Acknowledging God being the, the, the giver of, of the beauty around us. Acknowledging him for anything in life, whether it's the promotion at work or sustaining a job or, or whatever. Giving him the due credit it worthy him, giving him that credit, acknowledging him as one, he's redirected my eternity, acknowledging that to people, saying, well, hey, why are you smiling so much? Because I know where I'm going. You know what I mean? Like making sure that in our day that he is acknowledged, that we're speaking of him. If, if, if life was a courtroom, would you testify to his name? Would you testify to his name? And that's what he's, that's what he's saying. It's an expected part of the life of a believer. But here's the, the catch, and you may have already realized this in your, in your own life following Christ, is that when you speak up, when you testify to his name, there is the potential for offense. Anybody notice that in the world around us? I, I feel like it's a, a growing kind of, just kind of stirring in our culture where we're, as Christ followers, being less and less tolerated. Anybody else sense that? Just people like not really wanting to put up with Christ followers. The idea of one God, one way, like that's just so countercultural. But he's saying here that, man, we got to not be ashamed regardless. This is a man speaking from prison as we've, as we've talked about. So expect to offend somebody. We don't want to be a people that elevate offense over eternity. Offense, we're saying, oh, well, we've got to be careful. I wouldn't want to offend. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like, if you think about it, the gospel message, Jesus is offensive. Jesus is offensive. The gospel message, listen to what you're telling somebody. You've blown it. You've fallen short. You've messed up. You're a sinner. And you're headed to eternal punishment apart from Jesus Christ. Stop and think about that message for a second. That is offensive. Like to the common person hearing that, like that isn't well received. And so for us to have the expectation to to speak up and not be offensive, it's just not realistic. But I thought it was interesting the perspective that Paul has in this. Look what he says there. 
It says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony speaking up about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. His prisoner. I, that caught my attention for a second because it's not saying that he's a prisoner of Rome. Who's it saying that he's a prisoner of? About our Lord. The prisoner. A prisoner. Remember, we're not our own, but we're his prisoner. We were bought at a price, and now we're owned by him. We're a prisoner of the Lord. It's a crazy thought and a, something that's so countercultural. But the idea of us being attached to the Lord, not a prisoner of Rome, but of God who had, has sovereign control of our life. Here's the truth of it, is that you can't ignore somebody that you're attached to. You can't ignore, if you're a prisoner, think about those back in that time where they'd be shackled to each other. I want to invite up Brent Miller here for a second for a little demonstration. Brent Miller is an officer of the law. I said, I said correctional officer in the first service. I butchered that. But uh, that's offensive. <laughs> I don't want to offend. Um, and, and, so, and so here, I, I was thinking about this, the, the idea that you can't ignore someone you're attached to. And I had him bring up a, a handcuff here. I've been here before. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and thinking of the, this idea of trying to go throughout our life and throughout our day, trying to ignore who we're attached to. You can't do it. Can you imagine me going on, on, on throughout my, my routine, trying to show up at the bank teller and being like, what, what? Like, just ignore him. Like, I, I'm not speaking of him. Or, or going to get groceries. Like, can you imagine the spectacle that would be? I, I mean, I could, take a, I could take a sheet and try to, try to cover him up and hide him. <laughs> That's easier said than done. But this idea that he's still attached. I mean, we can, we can try to move around, but, but he's still attached. And that's the picture. All right, we can get out of this jam. The idea here, thank you, Brent. I, please, please let you have that key. That would be great. Or we'll do, just do this together. That would be fun. You can share some thoughts. Do you have some thoughts on 2 Timothy? Let's thank Brent for that. The I, the idea of when you're attached to somebody, you can't help but speak about it. And that's the point that he's making here. I'm a, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I've got to talk about it. I can't. I can't avoid it. But here's the catch. It goes on. There's attachment to this. It says, it says uh, testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel. As we mentioned, that's cause for suffering. By the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. I love the, the, the point that he makes there, is that we don't have to do this on our own. It says, but share in the suffering for the gospel by what? By the power of God. We're not, we're not asked to go out and represent him as a lone ranger. He's saying, I, you, you can do that in my power. You don't have to do this on your own. And he's saying, don't, don't forget what, what, God, what God has done in, the, in his power. He says, he saved us. This is why we should speak up. You got to speak up. It's like, I, we've talked about this before. I was dead and now I'm alive. Like that's worth speaking about because he saved us. And there's a bigger picture here. I think it's fascinating that he says, it's a holy calling, and it's a part of his own purpose, his own purpose. This was a big deal. This is something that Bill was touching on this morning, that before the foundations of the world, this, this plan was set into place. 
If you're a follower of, of Christ, that's a, that's a big deal. That's something that should have a constant smile on our face because you're like, you know what, he he's saved me. He had this plan in place way before he got here. It wasn't just, a, it wasn't just a, an idea. I, I, I enjoy every uh, fall going into, into football season. I'm always interested to see how the Chicago Bear, Bears, I know you guys are like, who are they? The, the, this team that we had back in Chicago. Um, I'm always interested to see how they're going to turn out, how the, how the season's going to play out for them. But it's always interesting because before the season starts, before the, the plan, and they always have the plan of what? Making the, the Super Bowl and being the champions, getting those big fat gold rings. And, but you always, I always ask the same question every beginning of, or for the last however many years, so, so who's their quarterback this year? Jay Cutler, right? I'm like, they are not going to ever get to the championship if he's the quarterback. And, and, so, and so my point being there, sorry, sorry, Josh, if you love Jay Cutler. But, uh, but the idea here is it wasn't just a plan. Look in the text. It wasn't just a plan. There was a means to execute that plan. The means by which it was executed is a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Grace. Grace was the means by which this plan that was set into place long before we got here, it was the means in which it was going to be accomplished. So the game is fixed. The game is already fixed. It's already determined before we even arrived on the field. This should lead to gratitude. Verse 10, he continues, And which now has been, this plan, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This idea it says that it was manifest, that it was playing out, that it, that it came into light, that this plan that was just in the idea stage is starting to be lived out through who? Jesus Christ. That's how it was manifest. That's the way that it was executed. That's how the plan of grace was extended to each one of us. And look what that plan actually did. It says, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I love the, the, those ideas. The, the first one, the abolished death. The word abolished means render inoperative. No longer a threat. Death, which once was something that we should fear and be like, oh no, where somebody that's apart from Christ is just like, I have no idea where I'm going after this all comes to an end. He's saying, I abolish that. So when we see somebody kind of growing in, in age and getting older, and it may look like from the outside, man, looks like they're starting to fade. Looks like they're starting, they're getting a couple wrinkles. They're getting a little bit older, getting a little bit closer to that, to that day. But the truth is, the truth is, based on what God's word says here, is that they're about to get the greatest upgrade ever. You know what I'm saying? So, so we might have this visual image of this person like starting to dwindle and fade and sag and wrinkle and all this stuff. But the truth is, if you think ISO, iOS 7 was sweet, like, like this upgrade that's coming for the life of a believer is unbelievable. That's what we have to cling to. That's what he's saying. He says, who abolished de death and brought life and immortality to light. Before it was hidden, people are like, people have no idea what happens after, after we die. But the truth is, he's revealing that. He's bringing it to light, that we are immortal, that there is an eternity. And what we do here on earth does matter. 
That's what's being exposed. And the truth is, is that this is something that he started this section with saying, we have to be unashamed to speak about it. Unashamed to speak about it. So that's the first conviction in the life of someone that's unashamed, is unashamed to speak. The second one we're going to see here in the text, looking in verse 11, unashamed to suffer. Unashamed to suffer. Verse 11 says, For which I was appointed, talking about this gospel that was revealed, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I, what? Suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith, and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. The first word that stood out to me in that section there is this idea of appointed. We've talked about this before. This wasn't just an idea that, that Paul came up with like, what should I do with my life? No, it was something that was appointed to him. He was appointed to speak up and then with that to suffer. He gave three words. He says, I was appointed a preacher, a teacher, and an apostle, Those, I, that idea, is, I, I like that, that picture of us. If you think of our calling, that we're called to preach, we're called to teach, and we're called to live it out. That's the apostle piece, living out the things that we're preaching and teaching. But it doesn't come without a cost. It doesn't come without a cost. That's why it says in verse 12, which is why I suffer as I do. A lot of times in the New Testament, we see Paul talking about the different areas that he suffered in. Pretty extreme. I think for me, anytime I, I'm going through a bad day or a bad week, man, just kind of play through the, some of the things that Paul went through. And you're just like, man, not such a big deal in my life. Look at this one passage in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. He paints the picture of the extreme suffering he's had. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three says this. Far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. They believe 40 would kill you, one less. Three times I was beaten with rods. What is that like, beaten with a rod? Once I was stoned, throwing, people throwing rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger from the city, danger in the wilderness, danger, see a recurring theme here, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is daily pressure on me my anxiety for all the churches can you imagine like I mean what a summary of like oh man if anybody is saying has has room to say like man just stay the course just keep going it's it's through this suffering and I'm picturing this guy now in his in his 60s sitting there picturing this guy in a dark most likely damp dungeon scars all over him, looking his age. You know how certain people like look their age? I'm guessing Paul was looking his age. Like he didn't have any skin cream making the wrinkles diminish. You know, like he, he was feeling it. Like so he's laying there, he's all scarred up. He's in shackles. From a world's perspective, he was a failure. He had failed. You know, like the, uh, talk about a shameful experience. He's at the end of his days, his golden years. And where is he at? He's there, he's sitting there in prison, and what are his words? I'm unashamed. 
I'm unashamed. Unashamed after all this, all this that I've experienced. There's no part of me, no regret. There's no looking back and being like, man, if I would have just followed some of the other religious leaders, I would have, you know what I'm saying? Like there's no turning back. He's still, after all of that, unashamed. I was thinking, I was like, why? Why? How is that possible? And the text points to that exactly how that's possible. Take a, take a, look, take a look at what it says there in verse 12 back in the text. It says, but, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I know, that's the key to this whole text. I know who I'm suffering for. I know him, not just know of him, I know him. This person that I've believed in, that I've put my trust and my hope, this isn't somebody that Paul's saying, like, I heard of this guy Jesus one time. He's saying, no, this is an experiential thing. And for us here today, my question when we're talking about this topic of unashamed is, do you know him? Do you really know him? Like, know him, like doing life with him, willing to suffer for him, willing to go through whatever it takes, walking through trial, through temptation. Do you know him? That was what Paul says to him. He says, that's the reason why I'm able to be here in my glory days, being unashamed, because I knew him. I put my trust in him, and I trust that he's going to provide for me. How do you do this? It's interesting because he, he, he invites Timothy. He says, he says, why don't you join me? Why don't we share in my suffering? Can you imagine? I was thinking about that for a second. I was like, that's not much of an invitation. Like, come on over. It's, it's one thing to share a piece of pie. You know, it's, it's a whole other thing to, to share, to invite somebody to share in your suffering. How do you have that perspective? You know how you have that perspective? Because this idea of suffering, when you start to see it as like, man, that's when God draws the closest to me. That's when he clings the tightest. That's when he's the, the one at, whispering in my ear, you're going to make it. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going I'm to sustain you. I'm going to help you. This idea of persevering, that's when he's the closest. That's when he's the closest. I thought it was interesting, uh, old uh, pastor by the name of Spurgeon, I'm sure you've heard of him, illustrates how joy exceeds sorrow in sacrifice. He says this, joy exceeds sorrow in sacrifice. A man shall carry a bucket of water on his head and be very tired with a burden. But that same man, when he dives into the sea, shall have a thousand buckets on his head without perceiving their weight. He goes on to say that men who are cast into the element of grace can bear ten times more and feel no weight, but are refreshed thereby with joy unspeakable. With joy unspeakable. You see, it's all perspective. When we're thinking about it, like the, the weights and burdens are just like weighing us down. But when you're diving in, when you're basking in the grace and goodness of our Lord, all of a sudden it makes it like, ah, that's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. And we notice on, on, a, on a growing scale just the, the, the disdain for believers in our culture. I was just this last week at a, at a birthday party for my daughter, Alexa, and we were kind of hanging out with the parents, uh, that, that interaction time while the kids are off playing and jumping on crazy stuff. And, and, uh, and I was standing there, I was talking to this, this gentleman there, and he, for like, I don't know, quite a while, we were getting along great, we're, we're having a lot of things in common, sharing about kids and parenting and all this stuff, and found out he was a, a banker in the area. And, and he asked me, he said, he's like, he's like, what do you do? I'm like, well, actually, I'm a, I'm a pastor at a church in, in Agora Hills. 
You've never seen a more awkward conclusion to a conversation in your life. Like, it's unbelievable. It's like I had the plague. Like, it, it was fascinating to me. I, as literally as he was kind of, he's like, oh, cool. Like, oh, Jilly, let me get your kid. You know, like, it just like went on to help his daughter. Her name wasn't Jilly. Uh, but, um. Uh, but this idea of, 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 of the way that we're perceived in our culture, man, it changes. We shouldn't be surprised that suffering is a piece of it. And for us, like our, the suffering tier, like compared to Paul, like and compared to so many generations prior to us, the scale is pretty minor. Can we all agree to that? Like it, it's not major. Like it's it's pretty minimal. But don't be surprised because the that that this is an ever growing thing. But getting established in some of our convictions that I'm unashamed to speak, I'm unashamed to to, to suffer before it comes is so important, right? That's why he goes on in the text there to explain what, in the meantime, what we're to be doing. It says, uh, it says in, the, in the text there, it says, I'm convinced he is able to guard until that day, the day that we're looking forward to, standing before the Lord that has been entrusted me. And he says what to do. He says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Stick with what you know. Stay with the word. Stay with the word. And how do we do that? It's in verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit and trust you. Stay the course. Stay on track. Follow the pattern of the sound word. Stick with the plan. It's important that we know what we believe, that we're clear on our convictions. MacArthur says this. He says, before we will put our life on the line for what we believe, you must believe it has to start with believing it. You have to be clear in your, the, the foundations of why you do the things you do. That's so key. That's so key for staying the course for when suffering comes. So unashamed to speak, unashamed to suffer. And the last one here we're going to look at in verse 15 is unashamed to serve. Unashamed to serve. Take a look at the text. It says, verse 15, You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me among whom are Phygelus and Hermo Hermogenus. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. This is testing my, uh, my ability to read tough names. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord again on that day. And you will well know all this, and you all well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Let's, put, let's stop there for a second. The, the, the idea here in this section is basically two pictures being painted. Two different examples. Two examples. One, an example of someone that didn't stay the course. Somebody that got ashamed. Somebody that fell apart, that wasn't grounded, that didn't stay with the teaching. He says, all, I imagine it was tough for him to speak even these words. He says, all who are in Asia have turned away. All of them. It's not like some people stuck it out. Can you imagine in, your, in prison, you're at the lowest point of your life and all the people you'd invested in, poured into, watching them drift away one at a time, one at a time. And he specifically lists two by name. Can you imagine like for the next now 2,000 years, millions of readers seeing your name labeled as unfaithful, 
unfaithful. He mentions two, Phygelius, if it's not tough enough even having that name, Hermogenes, like those two guys, he rebukes. He says those two that he's probably, uh, Timothy's familiar with, he's saying these two didn't stay the course. They didn't stay the course. They didn't keep on serving. They didn't keep showing up. They didn't keep the course. And my question for us is, do we fall in that category? It's been sad over the years to watch so many people, even just in 15 years of ministry, just watching people that were like fired up for seasons uh, about chasing the Lord, staying close to Him. You just see over time the, the thorns in life and, and all the hassles of staying true to, to the Word. It starts choking them out. They start drifting off. And it, it, it breaks my heart. But that's what he's pointing out here. He's saying there's two categories of people, the ashamed and the unashamed, the people that keep staying the course and the people that drift off. I remember I was an intern at, at Willow Creek for a season early in, in ministry and was working there, and I was one of the, the guys in the internship program. We were in charge of running this college-age program that, that was going on. And uh, after one of the events, somebody made a comment. You know how the college events would have like a game time and like something fun or activity or whatever. And somebody commented on the game that he came up with. They said, that was a lame game. That even rhymes. They said, that was just a lame game. It was, it was, it was, it was a goofy idea. This guy, who was an intern there, took that so personally, he could not move past it. Like he ended up, this guy that was an intern just starting in ministry, just getting his feet wet. He ended up resigning and stepping down because somebody said he had a lame game. You're like, really? You're like, really? Is it take that little to throw us off course, to cause us to throw in the towel? But the truth is, we hear that story and we're just like, wow, how lame of a guy, you know? But, but the truth is, so many of us as adults and leaders have, have like, it's taken even less than that to throw us off of our game. The truth is, when, when the times got difficult and you're like, Awana wants me to come back again, you know what I mean? Like, when, when, when the, the need or the, the ask became too great, all of a sudden they're like, nowhere to be found. That's why it happens in church world daily. Let me just say that. People drifting is a constant part of the life of the church. He's giving that as, as one example with the, the, the rebuke. But then he goes on to give the opportunity for this second guy. He says, More, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onisphorus, this second guy. For he has often refreshed me and was not, what? Ashamed of my chains. But when, we, but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. He mentions a couple different things of reasons to celebrate this man. I think that's important in the life of the church. To celebrate people that are faithful, that just keep, you'll hear me, if you're around for a while, point out people even in the sermon and being like, man, he's been faithful with this. She's been, she's been doing this. Just acknowledging and celebrating when people are faithful. This last week at our elders meeting, we were ending the term of one season of elders and bringing on some new elders. It was kind of a cool uh, night and opportunity. And we took some time, uh, we took some time to, to celebrate a few of the men that were going off of the board and celebrating their faithfulness. To say to them, uh, uh, Todd, Gary, and Mario, to say to them, thank you for staying the, stay the course. There's some tough seasons at ABF, and they stuck it out. They kept coming. They kept serving. They kept ministering. They were faithful to that call that God had placed on them. And I think it's important to celebrate those opportunities or faithfulness, and that's what he's doing here with this guy. 
But he points out four different things I want to just kind of close our time with that I think are, are cool things that set somebody that's faithful and unashamed to serve. The first one is this, is acts of service. Acts of service. It says that he often refreshed him. He often refreshed him. Can you imagine like having, you're stuck in prison and I'm sure not the same degree of, of cleanliness and what's here and in the United States and our prison system, although I don't think they're too great. But, uh, but can you imagine how key that would be in the life of Paul, having somebody refresh him? Maybe it was a drink, maybe it was a, a warm cloak on a cold night. We don't know what that was, but he was faithful. He was faithful in serving with acts of service. Then he points out another thing, the, the attitude that he did it in. The spirit in which he did it in. He wasn't ashamed. He says he refreshed me. He was not ashamed of my chains. Like, can you imagine, like now, if you're showing up at a prison every week and somebody that was faithfully following the Lord and you're wanting to go in and go through all the bars and all those, the security checks and all that, how, what an embarrassing process that would be. He's saying, I wasn't ashamed. He had an attitude of just like, I'm just going to keep coming, keep being faithful. I don't even care. So one, acts of service. Two, the, the spirit he did it in. The, the third one, his diligence. His diligence. He pointed out, it says that he arrived in Rome. He searched for me earnestly and found me. Can you imagine showing up in the uh, city the size of Rome and saying, like, I'm just going to lo- go from prison to prison until I find Paul. Knocking on every prison door. Hey, Mr. Guard, where have you seen this really old Jewish guy that's a little beat up looking? Uh, you know what I mean? I, I'm wanting to serve him. Like, look, looking, for, looking for him, consistently looking for Paul. That's what he d- did. So he was diligent. And the last one, and we want to conclude with this, was the track record. It says at the end there, it says something cool. It says, and you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. This wasn't a new thing. This wasn't a new thing that he just started. This was something that was a consistent pattern in his life. This whole, this whole unashamed to serve isn't something that's a, a one-time event where you show up and you, you helped one time in Sunday school. This is a lifestyle. This is a commitment. Wouldn't that be awesome to have said of you that you're like, you've already seen their track record. You know how long they've been faithfully serving, how long they've been rolling up their sleeves, how they've gotten involved, how they've been ministering, how they've been caring for people. Wouldn't that be an awesome legacy? These are some of the things that come from the life of an unashamed person. Unashamed person. Three different areas we're pointing out here today. Three convictions of the unashamed. Unashamed to speak, unashamed to suffer, and unashamed to serve. The thing, the trend that we see in all of this is that the only means by which we're able to do this, what does it say multiple times here, is through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Know who it is that you're serving. Know him intimately. Tap into that power source. He's the one that gives us the ability to be unashamed. Let me pray for us as we conclude. God, we thank you for this example in Scripture of of these areas of conviction that drove Paul, that drove that he was trying to stir on and stir up in, in Timothy, these areas of conviction, unashamed to speak, not forgetting who he's attached to. You can't ignore it. You have to speak about it. I pray that for each one of us. I pray that we would be unashamed to speak up that as opportunity arises and every week has those opportunities. I know because I live it too. Has those opportunities where we can make a choice to speak up 
or choose to be ashamed. God, I pray that you'd give us a boldness in the power of your Holy Spirit to act in those situations. I pray too that in the area of, of unashamed to suffer that you were called to, that we wouldn't allow the little things, the things that come up in our life to throw us off course, to take us out of the game, that we'd be willing to stay true to you. And the unashamed to serve, God, that we'd keep on going, that we'd look for opportunities to use our gifts as we've talked about before, using them for your glory and leaving a legacy, not a legacy of us, but a legacy of you. We thank you, God, for the opportunity and the privilege of this life, this calling to be unashamed. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Talk about a reason to be unashamed. The God of angel armies is always by my side. How awesome is that? I pray you guys have a fantastic week in the Lord. We have some elders and leaders coming up here to pray. If, we, if you have any area that we can pray for, we're trying to have some specific prayer areas. If there's an area where you know someone or you're sick, we want to pray specifically about health issues here today. I pray you have a fantastic week in the Lord.